Hey everyone, you're listening to Can You Hear Us Now? Inclusivity in the Media, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of those in marginalized communities who are frequently overlooked in the mainstream media. Each week we discuss new topics in order to promote representation of those who are recurrently silenced or ignored. Our program aims to bring awareness to these issues in order to stimulate inclusivity in the media. Let's get into it. I'm Dylan and I'm a senior at UNC Chapel Hill. And I'm Allison Rabin and I'm a junior at UNC Chapel Hill. And I'm Lorelai Sykes, a third year here at UNC Chapel Hill. And today we will be discussing the treatment of resettled refugees and immigrants in the South. As media and journalism majors, we all aim to broaden our understanding of covering a variety of different people from across the world in a manner that puts emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So our idea going into working on this concept for this episode was to frame immigration and the taking in of refugee communities as something that can benefit all parties involved. There's this notion that those coming into the U.S. seeking help are known as quote-unquote resource drains or that there are people coming here to steal jobs, which was an idea largely perpetrated by the Trump administration, despite the fact that immigrant workers are a huge benefit for employment in the United States. Hannah Turner, community liaison at the Welcome House Raleigh, has a goal to show a different side of this narrative. While Welcome House is a faith-based organization in the Southern Bible Belt, we're looking to see how this community in the Triangle can work to come together to help each other, overcome social barriers like housing inequality or lack to health care in a completely new country that immigrants or refugees are unfamiliar in, uh, rather than framing it in this common idea of monotonous politics that demonize this community. We just want to start it off by asking, what is Welcome House Raleigh and what is your role within um, the Welcome House Raleigh? My role kind of shifts from day to day. This work is like ever changing. Um, some days I'm loading a truck with couches and chairs and pillows. Um, but other days I'm teaching English um, or visiting a family for a home visit, drinking um, tea and different um, foods from around the world. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different things that go into my role and it kind of is ever changing, but um, my current title as of now is um, Community Liaison. So Welcome House Raleigh is a temporary housing ministry in the Triangle. Um, So we provide guest housing for refugees and immigrants who um, first get to North Carolina um, when they resettle. Um, This kind of fills the gap for some organizations that are already working with refugees and immigrants in the area um, to kind of provide housing when there is none. We know there's a huge um, affordable housing crisis, especially in Raleigh because it's growing. So um, the opportunity to have guest houses around kind of saves money um, out of the refugee stipend that they get the one-time stipend that they get when they arrive um, so that they can stay with us for free until their caseworker can secure permanent housing for them. And outside of the guest housing, Welcome House also does a lot of community outreach. Uh, We teach English as a second language. We help with 
the permanent housing apartment setup. Um, so we have a furniture bank and we partner with um, different organizations in the area to accomplish those things as well. Um, and then we also provide food services um, and partnerships within the community. How did you get involved with Welcome House? So when I was in college, actually, I studied public policy and humanitarian affairs. I really became interested in the refugee crisis and started to take a lot of more classes that um, focused in on that specific area of policy and humanitarian aid. And I started getting involved with different organizations that worked with the refugee community and just kind of fell in love with working with international people and groups um, and kind of saw a real need um, and gap in in our culture and society in America where um, there were a lot of needs not being met. Um, and so that's kind of how I got interested in the work in general. Um, and then finding my way to Welcome House, um, I mentioned earlier that it's a faith-based nonprofit and my faith is something that is um, pretty important to me. So knowing that that was something that's kind of a backbone to me um, and then also being passionate about this community, I kind of wanted to merge the two. And so Welcome House Raleigh was kind of the perfect fit for that. Um, is there a certain place or if you just want to talk about in uh, the different places where you guys are taking refugees or immigrants from? Um, in the past year, we've seen a lot of um, people from Afghanistan, uh, a lot of people from Ukraine, and um, I would say our other top one is probably um, Congolese individuals and families. Um, but yeah, as if you ever want to know like where people are coming from around the world um, who are refugees, you just have to um, look at the news. Um, <laughs> As unfortunately, when crises happen, um, people flee. So, thank you for that. Um, I'm gonna take over a couple of these next questions. So, what has been one of the most memorable experiences in your time working at Welcome House? I have sort of a um, just a short story um, that kind of stands out to me the most of an experience um, in my time with Welcome House. Um, so I teach English in a few of the um, highly populated refugee and immigrant neighborhoods in Raleigh. And so um, one day after English class, one of uh, my Afghan students invited me and another teacher to her home for tea. Um, so we walked up the hill for class from class to um, her home and we were met by her family welcoming, welcoming us inside. And we were a little uncomfortable with going inside because it was in the middle of the pandemic and wanting to keep everyone safe. Unsure of how to relay this to them, we just kind of stood there. Um, and after our hesitation at the door and a simple hand over our masks, um, the family understood um, even with a language barrier. Uh, they left us at the front door to return with dining room chairs and a table. So the family brought their whole dining room outside for us. Um, they came outside to drink tea with us. 
um, they met us where we were most comfortable. Um, and little did we know that when the family invited us over for tea, they also would feed us until our bellies were so full. <laughs> but I think about this meal a lot, not only because um, it was delicious and we had great conversation um, or not having conversation but laughing, um, but because of the pure kindness and and generosity that this family extended to us. Um, and as I pointed to earlier, faith is something that is important to me. And so um, this was a, was a great example to me of how Jesus called us to love. Um, he calls us to make space for someone at the table, even if it means you have to move it outside. I think just the overall general hospitality of the people that I've gotten to interact with has just been overwhelming. Um, even though we're the ones that are supposed to be welcoming them into their new home, they always seem to be the ones teaching um, teaching me something about, about welcoming and about hospitality. And then what has been one of like the harder experiences that you've had to face um, while at Welcome House? Like, has there been like any conflicts you've had to overcome or like? Definitely. Uh, I mean, the refugee crisis is, is huge. I mean, I was just glancing at some statistics from UN UNHCR um, the other day and there's still like almost 90 million people who worldwide who are were forcibly displaced. It's a huge crisis, so sometimes it can become overwhelming and um, hard to juggle everything, um, especially when the systems that we have in place um, or that are created already um, are already hard for like U.S. native-born citizens to navigate, like uh, healthcare. <laughs> education system things like that um and then put in cultural barriers language barriers um trauma um and trying to navigate um how to help families and individuals assimilate into america without losing their own their own um culture and identity um while also helping them work towards self-sufficiency um, I think has been the most challenging and just working with families to set up a medical appointment or to help enroll them in school. And just the more you, the more you work in it, the more you realize how many barriers there are. Since y'all are located sort of, well, in the South and around the Bible Belt, there's like a lot of discrimination that these immigrants can face coming from certain like the far right ideologies. Um, why do you feel it's necessary to sort of challenge this thought process for those refugees and immigrants? I will say before coming to work in Raleigh with Welcome House, I was a little pessimistic about um, everything that you kind of just explained in your question. But to be pleasantly surprised, I saw a lot of a lot of faith communities um, 
that I wouldn't necessarily expect, generally speaking, to be invested in the refugee and immigrant community um, that were. Uh, so that was super encouraging to see, but generally speaking, um, with the Bible Belt and just religion as a whole and how there's some um, negative stereotypes towards um, refugees and immigrants. I think just in general, there needs to be a heart shift. Um, it's not seen as a church issue, but a political one, um, which I don't think is actually accurate. Um, and I mean, if we look at scripture, migration and immigration and fleeing is like at the heart of almost all the stories in the Bible. Um, I mean, in the Old Testament, we have Abraham um, who fled from food insecurity and famine. Uh, Moses and the Israelites became stateless people as they fled slavery and oppression in Egypt. Um, and then we have Jesus himself as he fled violence from um, King Herod. So so much of the story of refugees in the Bible, um, which is why I think there needs to be a heart shift. The answer to how, I'm not sure. Uh, um, in our class, we kind of look at how different groups are portrayed in the media and refugee and immigrant groups are one group that we looked at in their media portrayal. And you mentioned how there's already a lot of news coverage about like refugees and immigrants. And, you know, it's not always portrayed as necessarily in a good light. They're portrayed as victims or sort of like resource strains. And my question is, why do you feel like it's necessary to challenge this sort of stereotype in the media and people's beliefs? Uh, because it's a huge misconception. Um, I mean, first of all, a, a, a huge chunk of um, refugees uh, or displaced people are hosted in actually low-income countries. So the amount of or the percentage of individuals that we're seeing in America is actually a lot smaller than what other countries are, the percentage of other countries receiving refugees and immigrants. Um, as well as, I mean, refugees pay taxes, um, as well as a lot of undocumented immigrants pay taxes. And for them, I mean, they pay taxes, but don't have access to the social welfare programs that they're paying taxes towards. Um, so that's just one thing that um, also, I mean, refugees have a higher entrepreneurial spirit the native-born citizens, um, they also are willing to fill necessary jobs that U.S. native-born citizens don't want to fill. Like, there are a lot of um, our clients who work in the chicken plants, uh, who right now, weirdly enough, uh, a company, a printing company that prints Pokemon cards, um, but they have actually employed a lot of our um Afghan parolees and refugees. Um, and as well as I think there's even a point educationally that 
I mean, a more diverse classroom is correlated with um, greater learning comprehension. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot of benefits to to embracing and accepting refugee um, and immigrant families and individuals into our society and helping them assimilate and become self-sufficient because um, there's there's a lot of good that they can do uh, economically, um, culturally, educationally for our communities. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. I think, thank you for sharing. I think it definitely, like one way to do that is to kind of tell the story so people are more aware that this is what they're going through and this is what's happening. So kind of going off of that, since you started working there, are there any stories that have demonstrated the hardships that these people have gone through while like trying to make it here in America? Uh, yeah, I can share a story of another Afghan friend of mine. Um, so a friend of mine who I would call Sarah, and her family fled their home in Herat, Afghanistan in August 2021 after the Taliban regime took over. She wept as she told me her story. They quickly packed their bags as they rushed to the airport. Sarah took a few moments to say goodbye to her mother and father who she was leaving behind and who she would likely never see again in a home she would never return to. The journey to the airport was horrendous as thousands of others were saying similar goodbyes and fleeing to safety. In the airport, Sarah and her family were almost separated. They boarded the plane after several hours waiting at their gate with the sound of warfare ringing in their ears. The family ended up having to leave everything, even their luggage that they had stuffed with sentimentals, valuables, clothes, and important documentation. Gunfire filled the air. Sarah's daughter was crying and her son was holding his ears and eyes shut. As the plane took off, people hung to the wings of the plane, desperately hoping to make it out. It was a choice of risking your life to flee or staying and dying. Sarah and her family were one of the lucky families to make it out. Sarah could finally breathe. Once her family made it to America, they were in a camp for three months in Texas as they awaited their resettlement placement. They were assigned North Carolina. Once they began to settle, the trauma, grief, and culture shock set in amidst, amidst the stillness and chaos of a new life. Sarah did not speak English and never had the opportunity to learn to read or write in her first language. Her husband's university degree had been left behind. And there was no um, current affordable housing for them in Raleigh. Thankfully, room was made for Sarah and her family at Welcome House. If we look close enough, we will see stories of Jesus played out in our lives and in the lives of our neighbors. Sarah and her family were strangers and were welcomed. Sarah is learning English and just received her driver's permit. The children are in school and her husband has found a stable job to help support the family even though it's not the job that he intends to keep, um, he's still working working towards um, growing in his career and his new home. Um, they are growing and establishing themselves 
this the simple yes i see you and you belong helped foster a deep resilience in sarah and her family so all that to say there are a lot of challenges and barriers that we talked about earlier um for people who are resettling to the states um but these these people that i've gotten to know um have a lot of resilience in them um and so even the small the small acts of like i see you um i'm here for you or let me help you sort out this medical bill or let me um help you find a find a home or let's go to the park or let's go to the farmer's market um like those things foster resilience in people um and and while there's a lot of hardship there's also a lot of good happening thank you so much for sharing that that was really moving and i think it's really important to tell stories like that it's very impactful and it's for me someone who was born and grew up in north carolina it's easy to take small things for granted so hearing things like that's really important and that kind of leads me to my last question is what's like the number one thing you want people to take away from this talk today I think like the story with um, the family bringing their dining room table out to me um, is to to meet people where they're at and um, to get a little uncomfortable that so that someone else can be comfortable, especially um, refugees and immigrants who don't really have too much comfortability in a new place and a new culture. Um, where they don't speak the same language and but also just to have open hands when interacting interacting with this community um because there is so much that they have to offer um and there's so much that we can learn and um, receive from them as well really appreciate you coming on today yeah of course thanks for having me thanks hannah this episode of the Can You Hear Us Now podcast was produced as part of the class project for Mijo 441, Diversity and Communication at the Husband School of Journalism and Media at UNC Chapel Hill. This episode was produced by Allison, Dylan, and Lorelai. This episode was recorded on November 14th, 2022. Thanks for listening to the Can You Hear Us Now podcast. We hope you were able to expand your mind and shed some light on this week's topic, Arriving to America. As always, we encourage you to take a closer look at the media you consume, and don't be afraid to advocate for those who might not have a voice. Make sure to tune in next time when we discuss how remote work has expanded diversity in the workplace. You can also head over to our website, canyouhearusnowpodcast.com, to check out more information and resources relating to our episodes. Be sure to leave a like on this episode and subscribe to our program on platforms including Simplecast, Spotify, Audible, and iHeartRadio. See you next time. Thank you.